We're in the season of Thanksgiving in which we uh, recognize the blessings we have as Americans and the freedoms we have and all that we have benefited from the sacrifice of our ancestors for this country. But of course, through that, we recognize that our Thanksgiving actually goes through them to our Heavenly Father because everything we have comes from God. But a part of that Thanksgiving is recognizing that we have a purpose. Our good Lord loves us and created us and has, has a purpose for our lives. Sometimes it's hard for us to discern that, but he has a purpose, but he's also giving us a teacher to help us know exactly what that purpose is. We'll talk about that today on Deep in Scripture. Welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. Thank you for joining us. We're coming to you over EWTN Radio, and uh, we're broadcasting from the Coming Home Network International Studio in Central Ohio. So thank you for joining us. And uh, as I mentioned, today, as we uh, are just uh, you know less than 24 hours away from from Thanksgiving and uh, most of us, at least here in America, some of you I know listen to this program in other parts of the world, but in America, this uh, particular Thursday in November is our annual day of Thanksgiving in which the founding fathers that initiated this intended that we would get down on our knees and be grateful for all that we have. Sometimes, though, after all these years, we've forgotten who we're really to be thankful to. And sometimes we lose the purpose. We think the only thing we're thankful for is that we can go out and buy our turkey uh, and, and have an oven to cook it on. I mean, that's Thanksgiving is so much more than that. And our guest today has chosen some scriptures that that get down to the to the base level of at least one of the areas of our life we should be thankful for, and that is we have a loving and caring and purposeful God who loves each of us and. And I guess to put it in a phrase I've heard most of my adult life, has a wonderful plan for your life. And we'll mm -hmm. talk about that in a moment. But our guest uh, for this program is Barry Metzentine. He comes from an unchurched upbringing, was a convert to the Mormon church in his 20s, left the Mormon church and fully embraced the secular world after that, went through about a 10-year dark period. And then now he's a Catholic convert and serves as the director of adult and youth Ministry at Our Lady of Fatima in Lakewood, Colorado. Barry is married with five children, ages 26 years, down to five months, and is a graduate of the Augustine Institute with a Master's of Arts in Evangelization and Catechesis. He will be the guest on the Journey Home program this coming Monday night, so you'll want to tune in to EWTN Radio, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, in which you'll hear my interview with Barry. He'll go through all the details of his journey. In some sense, it's almost too bad these weren't flip-flops so you could hear his story before. We'll talk a little bit about it in, in the radio program today. But uh, as, particularly as we look at the scriptures that he has chosen, I'm going to encourage him to reflect on what they mean in relationship also to where he came from. As he said, at one time an agnostic, one time a Mormon, one time a flaming... I don't know if you'd say atheist, but at least a flaming agnostic, and then now a Catholic. And the one thing I also have to emphasize about Barry's journey, that uh, he is very enthusiastic about his commitments. If he's in something, he's very much in it. So when he was a Mormon, he wasn't just fleeting by as a nominal Mormon. He knew the faith and was deeply committed to it. And it took as much of a crisis to get him out of it that took him not only all the way away from Mormonism, but deeply into 10 years of a dark night. And then now that he's a Catholic, he knows his faith very well and is in not just because he happened to meet a, a Catholic girl, but because he truly embraced it after many years of struggle. There's a lot of scriptures he could have chosen, but he chose some portions of the book of Ephesians that are important to him partially because they connect with the catechetical work that he does, and he'll talk about that in a moment. So let me read <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 10, and then Ephesians chapter 3, 9 through 12, then we'll take a break, and then Barry will join us after the break. <clears throat> so first, this is uh, Paul writing to the faithful in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. He destined us in love to be his sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. For he has made known to us in all wisdom and insight the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And then to chapter 3, verse 9. And to make all men see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose which he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confidence of access through our faith in him. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. Next time on The Journey Home, join Marcus as he welcomes former Mormon Barry Metzentine to the show. Find out what convinced him to leave his faith tradition and make the journey home to the Catholic Church. That's on the next Journey Home, only on EWTN. The Journey Home is seen and heard around the world on EWTN. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. If you enjoy the Journey Home television program on EWTN, you'll want to purchase a copy of Marcus Gerdeis' book, Journey's Home. Journey's Home contains the conversion stories of men and women who, as a result of their surrender to Jesus Christ, heard a call to follow him more completely in the Catholic Church. Many of them were Protestant pastors or missionaries. Others were laymen who, though working in secular jobs, took their calling to serve Christ in the world very seriously. To order your copy of Marcus Grodite's book, Journeys Home, simply visit our website at www.chresources.com or call us toll-free at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, your host, and I'm joined today by Barry Metzentine. And, and Barry, welcome to the program. Thank you. Often we do this program with uh, the guest on on, uh, on the telephone, but it's great to have you in the studio. Oh, it's wonderful to be here. And uh, especially studying Scripture. I, mean, I can't think of anything more enjoyable to do, actually, so it's great to have you here. Mm-hmm. And you pick, you pick one of my favorite books, uh, Ephesians. I love this book. Uh, it's... One reason I, lo- I love it is because the reason I ended up Catholic is because there were so many interpretations of the same words in the Bible. Yes. Infallible, inspired, perspicuous book God has given to us through the graces of the church. But a, even a book like Ephesians has so many interpretations out there, mm-hmm. sometimes taking the the simplest phrases and making it mean maybe far more than it was intended or far less than it was intended. And so that's why I love this book, though, because I know there's lots of viewers out there, depending on what tradition they're coming from, uh, why they love this book. They may love it differently than I do or, or you do. So, But before we jump into the passage, talk to the audience a little bit about why you chose these passages in general. Sure. Well, and I, I echo your sentiment on on this letter, I love this letter, I love all his letters, but this mm-hmm. one in particular, because it has so much about the, the sacraments and the church and the mysteries of that church, and he opens it up with just the beautiful summation, I think, of what it's all about. And for me, coming from it, coming from my background, um, what I saw when I read this was a very simple message, captured in two verses, actually, one, uh, chapter one, verse nine and 10. Uh, chapter 9, or I'm sorry, verse 9, simply says, God has a plan. <laughs> really? 
Yes, and verse 10 tells us his plan from the beginning was and is to unite all things in his son, Jesus Christ. And, you know, from my frame of mind, this, was, this really resonated. And I was like, wow, there's a plan. And then if you go up to the beginning, I just love this, this beautiful opening. And I see, uh, particularly coming from my Mormon background, they have, a, they have an understanding of pre-existence, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't accurate in our understanding of the Catholic faith. But coming from that, an understanding that this plan was there from the beginning, and our destiny, we see a destiny that we're journeying towards something really resonated with me as well, because so often in my life, particularly in my dark years, as you referred <laughs> to them uh, accurately, you know, what is it? Why are we here? You know, why are we here? What are we doing here? What's it all about? What's the meaning and purpose of life? And so this opening gives us, this is it. And it was, it was from the beginning that we as creatures created by this loving father, this creator, had this plan from the beginning, and this is the story that we're in. And so our life does have purpose, it does have meaning, and it's actually all about us, which is kind of a, kind of a fun <laughs> thing to think. For the audience's sake, um, I would like you to take just a moment, again, before we jump into the scriptures, you, you went, your life went through stages, and as I mentioned, Monday night in the journey home, you'll give all the details. But you went through a, 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 an agnostic stage, two different periods of your life, mm-hmm. and then a Mormon, mm-hmm. and then now a Catholic. Yes. And yeah. in the perspective of purpose, uh, what did you bring to this passage? You know, th- when you were an agnostic atheist, mm-hmm. how did you understand purpose in life mm-hmm. as a Mormon? How do you understand this? Mm-hmm. And then we'll get into how we understand this cap. Sure, that sounds great. Um, initially, you know, coming prior to my experience with the Mormon Church, really unchurched, uh, very limited understanding of Christianity at large. To be honest, I really didn't understand or what a purpose might be, other than just to do the best you can at what you're doing, find things you enjoy, um, and be a good person. That's about as far as it went. There wasn't a lot of thought beyond that. But yet, as I was growing up, um, I think about this, as I was growing up, I was sensing, you know, there's got to be something more. You know, that, that feeling inside of us is like, I, I felt like uh, the sense of, of, of trying to find something that I was, that, that I was actually going to find something rather great at some point in my life, but didn't really know what that was. Then when I came to the Mormon church, uh, it started to resonate for me because primarily that's where they begin. They begin with the meaning and purpose of life. And I was like, aha, this is it. <laughs> I found it. This makes sense. And it really resonated with me because it goes after those universal questions. Where do we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? Meaning and purpose of life. And in their understanding, it is about this progression of becoming great. In fact, becoming divinized. In fact, becoming a god yourself. Um, and, and in that, you know, experiencing eternity as a God to, to bring this great opportunity to other spiritual beings um, in your future. So that was very compelling to me. It gave me a lot of, uh, it centered me and said, okay, this is the purpose, this is the meaning, now it orients your life, okay, and how you live now, which is all about achieving that goal. And for the Mormons, it is about achieving that goal. It's very much work-related. And then whatever gap is left, then Jesus will make that up. But you got to work for it because <laughs> it's this awesome uh, destiny that they have laid out for you. I, I didn't realize that the Mormons had picked up on this as their evangelistic tool. It, it's kind of ironic that my background, which was evangelical Protestant for many, many years, that you know that was how we began our evangelistic work with the four spiritual laws. You know, the first one is that God has a wonderful plan for your life. I mean, it's where it begins, is this very thing, which is a, kind of a, a, just a brash statement. And then from there on, there was always this kind of seed summary of the of the gospel uh, that ended with a prayer to Jesus, and then you've arrived. I mean, that was kind of the thing. Mm. But I'm wondering if you think about this, uh, Barry, in First um, Corinthians thirteen twelve, Paul says, right in the middle of that beautiful passage about love, he says, for now we see in a mere dimly, but then face to face. And as you were describing your own journey, it made me think that 
There's a sense in which this asking of the deep question, why am I here? What's the meaning of life? Is there a purpose? I kind of believe that that's one of the universal ways that God tries to touch everyone's heart at some point in their life. That's where the great philosophers began. Now, they may have grabbed for the wrong things. Mm-hmm. So it, does it make sense to you that, that that's kind of a, an underlying assumption to evangelization is to assume that somewhere down deep, people are going to ask that question? I think so. Uh, and that's why I, in, I work with RCIA, which is the most incredible blessing in the <laughs> world. And very quickly, there, uh, up front in that journey, we come to these questions um, after we've only met one or two times, because I do believe, and the Catechism tells us this actually, uh, that these are universal questions that are written in our hearts for a reason. Why? God puts them there because He desires us first, and then by putting these desires into our heart, we then are seeking, or as Paul says in some cases, groping for Him, yep. finding uh, the truth in the matter. And that's the beautiful thing that's happening here. So yes, I would agree universally uh, these questions resonate with anybody. They're there. And yeah. uh, I was—I didn't grow up Catholic, so I didn't memorize the first question and answer of the Baltimore Catechism. I think it had something to do with this, right? Yeah. Who is God? <laughs> you know, the creator of all things, invisible, it, invisible. Yeah. You know, there we are. You know, we begin with the, the, the beginning, the purpose, uh, that there Why is a, a, a creator and that gives purpose to everything. All right. Indeed. So we, we begin with these passages and... Um, I'll just jump right off at the beginning here and then have you reflect because I still love the the opening that Paul gives. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Yes. uh, Nothing significant about blessed being mentioned a a few (laughs) times here. Yes, and this actually goes back, in my mind, as you think about our, our faith as a story and the purpose and meaning, goes back all the way to Genesis one twenty six, where when Adam and Eve, the first parents, are created, what does God do? He blesses them and tells them to be fruitful and multiply. And that blessing, of course, is beatitude, and that's where we find our fulfillment, our happiness comes in the blessed life mm-hmm. that he gives us freely, because he is freely uh, who he is. Yeah, so I, I would agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in this, I mean, there's in, in the word blessed. If in any of the audience, if if you struggle with prayer, or, or you know, how do you talk to God, and you know, what does it mean to bless God? I mean, the the two-edged sword in that word is on the one hand we're proclaiming an infinite truth. He's blessed. I mean, he's the definition of uh, of blessed, and and the word blessed sometimes is translated as happy. I personally am not real happy when it's translated as happy <laughs> because it's hard to say, happy be the look of God. No, we're talking about something more than merely even even from Augustine's standpoint of what true happiness is. But it's also an act of something we're, we're giving God when we say blessed be God. We're declaring something about him, right? And we're doing something. Now, explain that to our audience. I mean, we're, we're declaring something about God, but we're also doing something when we bless mm-hmm. our, our God and Father. Well, it's our response. It's our free giving response back to what he's given us, which is pure gift. Um, we exist because God is love, and in that love gives purely and with no strings attached, if you will. This is the gift of life, of existence itself, of how we're held into being. And our response is just one of, adoration and praise and thanksgiving um, for without that there would not be anything so I think that's how I see it his giving forth to share to share his glory and his blessing our response is adoration thanksgiving and thanks be to God yeah last week on the feast day of St. Gertrude I happened to be reading in the daily office and her revelations began with essentially a command to herself to bless God. In other words, sometimes we want to, we don't feel like it, or our, our soul is off thinking about something else. Our soul is distracted, and so sometimes we have to almost yell at ourselves to bless God, to to give Him the attention, give Him the thanks, give Him the glory. Uh, and 
here we almost see Paul himself doing that because not only is he directing our focus to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he's giving a reason. Why? Because he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Mm -hmm. Barry, do you feel like you've been blessed in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What's that mean? <laughs> I, I, my initial response is yes, but, but not completely. Um, <laughs> I think this is the journey of our life. This yeah. is our whole journey to experience and to grow in what is truly happening in appreciating who we are, God's plan, our response. I mean, when I'm talking with people in RCI, for example, I go back, we can talk, the, the whole idea of God's plan is rolled out in the first three chapters of Genesis, but the point being, um, this is, uh, we're, we're here and participating with our Creator, and our journey is to be with Him, and we're actually not meant to be separated from Him, and hence we understand what He's done to ensure the fact that we return to Him through His Son, uh, but yeah, I, th I see it as our whole journey. It's yeah, a journey. Verse 3, Paul is addressing the audience in their present condition. Mm -hmm. In verse 13, he's reminding them of what happened earlier when, verse 13, in him you also who have heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and have believed in him and were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Behind that word sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit is the sacrament of baptism in which they have they were sealed, they were anointed, they received the Holy Spirit. And, you know, sometimes I've made the, the comment, Barry, that, you know, you look at the history of the church and sometimes it seems that the people that cause the most problems of the church are the ones that receive the most sacraments. Mm. Must be something wrong with those sacraments. Mm -hmm. No. It's not the sacraments. It's that through the sacraments, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We are. Mm -hmm. We may not experience and feel them. Why? What's wrong? Mea culpa. Right. Right. We block. And so Paul begins by reminding him, right, of all that we've received. Mm -hmm. The beauty of that. Um, now, you chose this because... Uh, Barry, because all through this passage are all these words, like in verse 4, chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Verse 5, he destined us in love to be sons according to his, the purpose of his will. Then um, uh, we have redemption. All this stuff that talks about this work of God. Expand on that because you come from different traditions in the understanding of of the work of God's plan in our life. Well, and and I do, and I think Part of it might be, well, I grew up without this understanding, complete mm -hmm. lack of understanding of why we're here and, and what this life is truly about. And then secondly, with my Mormon experience, having that understanding in that progressive kind of uh, spiritualism uh, resulting in de you know, divinity is yep. um, not correct either. So now that I see and understand the plan in its fullness and understand it accurately, it really resonates on all those fronts, both first, that there is a plan, there is a purpose, that we have a destiny, uh, and that's what drives us in this life, that we're seeking to find this. And then secondly, that we understand it correctly um, and that we find the power and the graces of that, because I always like to jump down to how this plan is being implemented, and we understand the story, man is created in blessing and to be blessed, but yet there's a fall and there's a rupture in, in this relationship and with uh, uh, you know communion with the with the divine and then of course this is the good news why Jesus comes as the Son of God and restores that relationship and then what are we given mm -hmm. is the sacramental life is the means then by which we respond in faith and enter into that life and that to your point there is real power mm -hmm. and grace is flowing through the sacramental life and this is how we our journey, if you will, back to into relationship with God our Father. And we can experience Him through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit in the sacraments every day in the church. And this, for me, it's just, it's everything. It means everything um, and orients my whole life into how I think and operate to help others also see and understand the greatness of this plan. We're going to take a break, Barry. When we come back, I'd like you to expand on that even a little more because you explain in your journey how the Lord got your attention 
the whole Trinity got your attention to confirm what was happening in the sacraments, mm -hmm. right? In, in, a, in a very powerful way. It's not necessarily the way everybody experiences it, but I think maybe because what you needed, like I said, some people get tapped, some people get hit with a bowling ball. Well, let's talk about that when we come back from the break. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grode. I am joined today by Barry Metzentin, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. EWTN.com is online with program information, the latest news, Pope Benedict XVI, plus tools for living the faith like prayers, Catholic Q&A, and other resources. Log on today to EWTN.com. Don't miss the good fight on Saturday. St. Margaret Clitheroe, mother and martyr, will be our saint. And our future saints are experts on the English Reformation, Stephanie Mann and Dr. Richard Garrity. That's The Good Fight, 2 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. The Good Fight comes to you live each Saturday only on EWTN Radio. For times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. All right, welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, joined today by Barry Metzentine, and we're looking at Ephesians, a couple sections of Ephesians, and we're particularly looking at, you know, this idea that God has a plan for our lives, and He's destined us and uh, uh, chose us, very strong words, uh, made us, and then made known to us, all this neat stuff uh, according to the plan that He has for us. Uh, but you also mentioned before the break, Barry, that uh, this is connected to the graces we receive in the sacraments. Mm -hmm. In essence, how God carries out his plan mm -hmm. in the sacraments. But I mentioned that when you tell your story about how God got your attention, that he gave you almost a, a bigger dose of, of, uh, of the graces than he gives to a lot of us, right? And I, talk about that, because it's pretty amazing. Well... And I appreciate what you're saying. I, 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 I think it's, in my mind, it's pretty ordinary, but yet <laughs> at the same time, yeah, it is pretty spectacular in having experienced God the Father as truly the creative uh, force, the omnipotence, and as a father that truly <laughs> loves us. And, and I, I have experienced being in his bosom, if you will, as his son. Yeah. <laughs> it was an amazing experience. It healed so much in, in my life. And then, you know, experiencing and seeing the Holy Spirit working, um, even before I was in the church officially, doing ministry in the church with my wife, who's cradle Catholic, working with mixed faith couples and small communities, but seeing this Holy Spirit manifest and, and experiencing the Holy Spirit uh, as even <laughs> though I'm not in the church, but yet I'm, I'm, I'm sensing and experiencing At the presence. time, you weren't quite in the church yet. Yeah. Right, and it was amazing. And then finally, the culminating act at, at Easter Vigil coming and encountering, um, somebody said one time, oh, you got slain by the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. I encountered <laughs> Jesus Christ in the Eucharist in a way that, um, you know, knocked me to my feet in just the humility and, and coming to that true sense of, of our relationship, but yet how we're held in dignity, incredible dignity and respect that he, that he God, our Creator, holds us in, and, and how we are broken and how in the sacraments, we are literally being nourished and brought mm -hmm. back to be, to, to arrive at our destiny, which is to be fully, um, the full indwelling of God within us. This is, I think, what it means to be in relationship fully, is to, to dwell He in us and us in Him fully. Um, and I believe this is the sacraments that are providing the means for this to happen. Yeah, there have been lots of accounts in the, in the lives of the saints where they also attest to these very powerful expressions of the, of the Trinity in their lives. So we know that that's, mm -hmm. so that the, I mean, there's a, two sides to that. One is it confirms that that's the way God can work in people's lives. Mm -hmm. The other hand is it's, it can sometimes make people feel less than adequate or less than blessed because, boy, they say, I didn't experience that, you know, or, mm -hmm. or I, I've, our work here in the Coming Home Network, we work with hundreds of men and women on their way back to the Catholic Church and Many of them are expecting that first uh, experience in the box to be, you know, in confession to be unbelievably powerful, and somewhat just not doesn't 
kind of live up to what they thought. Mm-hmm. But that's not the point. Right. That's not the point of any of this. That's not even the point of when you share this. The point is that you can say, he is real. Yes. And that's the point. He is real. Mm-hmm. He, the Jesus in the, in the Eucharist is real. And um, there's a verse in Galatians I'm going to read here that I never saw when I was a Protestant. I don't think it was in my Bible when I was a brat. Uh, it got snuck in there later. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That but happens. It, yeah, it really does. Because I don't, and I'm not even sure as a Catholic, I know exactly what Paul meant by Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Because he doesn't have footnotes in his Bible. Because when Paul wrote that, the people he's writing to were not at the crucifixion of Jesus. Mm-hmm. They were not there. So what did Paul mean when he says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Well, wait a second. What do you mean publicly portrayed as crucified? They were not at the crucifixion. Hmm. So what are we talking about here? And, you know, I, I can think of two at least possible. One is maybe there was an artistic crucifix that's possible we know they go back early or is he talking about the mass yeah Uh, that's where my mind went immediately was in mass that sacrifice that act of jesus christ that happened at a point in time is literally truly made presence we're brought to that point and it's made present on the altar and i'm so glad you brought this up because i I talk to Catholics about this all the time. They say, this is what Scott Hahn means, you know, and this is what some of the church fathers mean when they say, truly mass is heaven on earth. But not only is it heaven on earth, but, but it's, it's the, re, the, the presentation of Jesus crucified is on the altar. Um, yes, and that he really truly is present. And, and of course then when the words are spoken by the priest um, in the power of the holy orders, Mm-hmm. Uh, he becomes present truly in the species of bread and wine. Yeah. And the witness of the fact that the Galatians, yeah. some of the Galatians, even though they have, as all the early fathers mm-hmm. proclaimed, that it's the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. So it was well accepted with before the, well, it would have been at the time that the Mormons said the church had gone astray, but it was in the early church mm-hmm. affirmed that it was the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. We know from the witness of Paul in that Galatians that some of them were foolishly drifting away mm-hmm. in the false gospels, which just affirms the fact that sometimes if people aren't experiencing what they think they ought to experience, then they think, well, there must be something wrong with the sacrament. Right? Can't be me. You know, it, it, oh, this Barry had this powerful experience, and I didn't. Oh well, it must be something wrong with the sacrament. It must it can't be me, mm-hmm. or as Paul saying, we, before you is the crucified Christ. It's not his. That's not the problem. The problem's us. Do we appreciate it? Do we surrender enough? Do we, you know, are we open? No, and that's a great point. It doesn't take away from the reality of what's happening. And just to emphasize, despite the gifts that, that I've received in my conversion. Um, if anything, it brings to me, on more than many occasions, a, a sense of sadness because I realize that I've drifted and, and that I can be distracted. And I'm like, wait a minute, I've experienced the Almighty God in, in, in a way that you know is undeniable, and yet I can come and I'm absent and not present, and this is our nature. I think this is the whole struggle and the journey that we are on as we're continuously wanting to to understand and to participate and to and to become more aware of what is the reality in mass and what is the reality of how God is present in his church uh, in the authority of his son through the priests uh, through the sacraments that is all real if anything and our life is coming to understand that reality versus the false reality that we tend to be distracted by and live in yeah um, I'm one of those that um, thinks that Ephesians was the a letter by Paul to the newly baptized in Ephesus, the newly baptized Gentiles, so that in the first part he's kind of explaining what happens when you're baptized. Mm-hmm. And what's cool in this section that you've, there's a bunch of things in this section you've chosen, Barry, that emphasize the the things that 
that you received, Barry, when you were baptized, catechized, confirmed, mm-hmm. whether you felt it or not, mm-hmm. right? There's things that are true. He chose us. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the list of them that goes down in there of things that are that we may not feel or we may forget, but are 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 true because of his love for us. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. He destined us in his love, right? Yes. That we have redemption through his blood mm-hmm. and the forgiveness of sins, which he's lavished on us. I mean, this is great stuff that you've it chosen. Is. Well, like I said, I think it just it presents the just in a beautiful summation the entire plan um, and and what it's all about as we understand the purpose and meaning of our very existence, why we're here, um, and and also brings in showing that relationship between God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ and and that redemption necessary to restore why redemption to restore that relationship that which was broken and that he knew it from the beginning this is why i love you can go back to genesis chapter 3 verse 15 <laughs> where you see the first gospel message if you will um uh, where where in the midst of the fall that rupture god says don't worry i have a plan ultimately the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the seed of of satan and here it is and this is it's being it's been played out I'm probably, I keep taking us off on other verses, Barry, so I'm probably taking us far afield from where you hope to go with these verses. But oh, I, no, it's okay. But I was thinking about your work that you do, because mm-hmm. you work with, um, you've got kind of a wide age group that you focus on at your church. You, what'd you say, from age 12 to 112? No, no, 15 to 115. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. okay, a little bit older yeah. crowd than a I little bit. Um, The, But part of what I understand of what you do is to help these people appreciate what Paul's talking about here. Because even though he says in these passages that these people have received these things Mm -hmm. through baptism, Mm -hmm. they have it, they've been chosen, Mm -hmm. all the stuff he says, Mm -hmm. that's no guarantee that therefore they're going to, because they received it in baptism, they're golden for eternity or because they knelt down and said a prayer that they're guaranteed for eternity, because here's, I want to point you to a passage I'd like you to reflect on, and that's Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through 6. Because, and I'm one that believes Paul wrote Hebrews, although there's a lot of scholars that disagree, but the early church believed that Paul wrote Hebrews, but whomever, same theology. But he says something interesting. These He's talking about people that had all the stuff they that you're talking about here, that knew it all. In fact, he says in verse 4, For it is impossible to restore again to repentance those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they then commit apostasy, since they crucify the Son of God on their own account and hold him up to contempt. Now, that's a tough passage. That's, it's always a tough passage. The way I always interpreted the word impossible, since I don't believe anything's impossible with God, right. I'm, I'm thinking of Paul speaking more pastorally. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You, know, you, you work with people, and once they've really rejected it all, it's hard. It is hard. And, and I've experienced that myself, you know, being in that dark place and just the feeling, the overwhelming, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. gone. I, I can't come back. And, of course, this, pastorally speaking, this is w- beautiful in helping people to understand the power and the love and the, f- and, and the mercy of God the Father and His Son through the sacrament of confession. And that in that sacrament, the impossible for man <laughs> is now made possible uh, through Him and through what He gives us and actually even beyond the human touch, the human words to be spoken, to saying, I absolve you. Um, and of course, in Scripture, you see that power, that authority. Only Jesus Christ, who tells us, uh, the only authority I have is given to me by the Father. And then the only time you see Jesus giving that authority to anybody else is to the apostles. I mean, specifically, mm-hmm. of course, John twenty twenty three, where he gives the apostles the power, the authority to forgive those sins, which is, I think, undo. So the impossible is, yes, it is impossible in man, but it is completely possible, you know, through. Christ and through. And Paul is saying it's particularly impossible for us as human beings once mm-hmm. a person has indeed tasted mm-hmm. 
realized these things, mm -hmm. has experienced the power of God in their life, and then rejected it and gone away. But but knowing from what you do in your work and why you chose these passages, what you're also saying, I think, is what's a way to get people to start coming back? It's to remind them of what you're pointing out in this passage. Yes, God has a plan. He chose you. Mm -hmm. All the stuff you're talking about. Now, we're going to take another break. When we come back, let's jump to chapter three, because there's an important element you want to make sure they don't miss, right, mm -hmm. in chapter three, verses nine through 12. Mm -hmm. Do that in a second. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and uh, you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. The Coming Home Network International is a nonprofit Catholic lay apostolate dedicated to helping Protestant clergy and laity come home to the Catholic Church. It was founded by Marcus Grodi, the host of this program, as well as the Journey Home television program on EWTN. If you are on the journey and interested in learning more about the Coming Home Network International or know someone who's thinking of becoming Catholic, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org, or contact us at 1-800-664-5110. Next time on Mother Angelica Live Classics. The new year is upon us, and the church is awaiting the celebration of our Lord's Nativity. Join Mother as she helps us prepare for repentance and advent. That's on the next Mother Angelica Live Classics, only on EWTN. Mother Angelica Live Classics is seen and heard around the world on EWTN. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. Well, welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grote. I join today by Barry Metzentine, and we're looking at Ephesians. We've been looking at Ephesians chapter 1 and a variety of other passages all emphasizing what God has given us, His plan, His destiny, His destined us in His love, the redemption, we all the the stuff that we received in the sacraments, and also emphasize the possibility that we could lose it. So it's something we have to constantly, in a sense, that's what I think. It, when Paul says, "Blessed be the God and Father," that is the attitude that has to always be there to keep us in line with appreciating the things that he's given us. But you had also had us look at chapter 3, verse 9 through 12, for a very specific reason. Yes, and thank you for that. As you look at chapter 1, verse 3 through 10, which again gives that summation, uh, in my mind, of the plan and what it's all about. At the end of that, 9 and 10, he says, God has a plan. And I just love this. And he <laughs> tells us specifically, to unite all things in him, in Christ, and things in heaven and on earth. And you jump to 3, 9 through 10, it's almost, to me, it continues. <laughs> and to make us understand that plan, how does that happen? Through the church. <laughs> and, and this, for particularly in RCIA, is a, is a large teaching point because to help people understand the church is more than just the body of Christ. It is the body of Christ, absolutely. Right. We are members of it. But there's something else going on here. The members of the church aren't going to, how do the members of the church reveal to you this plan to unite all things in Christ? No, there's something else here. It's, and that, of course, comes to the entity of the church um, and who she is and what is happening in the church through Jesus Christ, the Son, uh, that he has given, and then through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that, of course, is the, the sacramental life, because if you keep reading... Uh, well, I, I also have to, in verse 10, just mention even the angels, the principalities and powers in heaven, even the angels themselves <laughs> receive the fullness of this truth, of this plan through the church, which is pretty amazing. Um, but and I just I forgot where I was going oh. with this. I apologize. Well, this. Uh, ah, thank you. I'm back. OK, good. The point being, though, then how does this happen um, in the church specifically and Actually, you didn't read it, but if you there's a hint given to us in chapter 5 in the middle of his analogy of the Christian household, mm -hmm. uh, or towards the end of it, uh, verse 32, 
he, first he talks about the relationship between Christ and the church, and then he gives the Christian household that's the, the analogy of that. And then as he's concluding it up, he makes, a, in my mind, a pretty peculiar statement. He, said, he comes back in verse 32 and says, the mystery, this mystery is a profound one, and what I mean is in reference to Christ and the church. Well, what's he talking about there? Of course, the English translation mystery isn't always clearly understood, but, but I'm not a Bible scholar, but I do have <laughs> come to understand through the catechism, actually, paragraph 774, that this word oftentimes in English was meant sacramentum. It's like, aha. And so if you take that whole analogy of the church household, bring it back to how is this plan being implemented in the church? Of course, it's the sacramental life. And that, if you were to read throughout the letter of Ephesians, you see that mystery being mentioned quite often. And now understanding the mystery being the sacramental life, you're, you're like, this is it. This is how the plan of all things be united. So when we come to the Eucharist, the Eucharist is Christ. And it's like this, if you will, the presence of Christ on earth drawing all things on earth to him and things in heaven. Uh, for me, that's just very, very powerful and helps us to understand the relationship that, of Christ and the church, that they're, you can't separate them, they're inseparable, and that the plan is being realized through the church. There's three levels, it seems to me, in this entire passage that are, are important that we talk about. There's us as individuals, you, Barry, and me, and each individual of our listeners, there's us, mm -hmm. the church, and then in verse 9, to make all men see. Mm -hmm. So there's everybody. Right. So there's the, the sense in which God has a plan for each of us individually. There's a sense in which Paul is saying, and every time in these passages, he says he chose us. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a plan for us. In him we have redemption. So this united part of the church, which is, remember the mystery Gentile and Jew together? We're all one. Mm -hmm. So we together as a body. And then the evangelistic call that it isn't just for us in the church and not the, the, those lousy folk out there. No, it's everybody. And we need to keep that balance. And I think, again, about the work you do, that has to be the balance. We don't want to lose the individual and just be the group, but we don't want it to be just the group, you know, just the individual and lose the group. I mean, the importance of keeping that balance. Absolutely, and the, the, the communal nature of, of the church and the faith and the responsibility we have as individuals, of course, to witness and, and to bring this message, this plan to the world, but also collectively we have this accountability to each other. Uh, Paul talks about this, of course, as well, to, to call each other up, um, mm -hmm. In the faith and to strengthen and embolden each other, support each other, but as well as to be a presence and and uh, to the world. And this is a, the call of evangelization that we're meant to be a light to draw all people into this plan because God's plan. I mean, God the Father wishes all people to be saved and brought into this plan. And we, coming into the covenant, coming into the sacramental life, receive these sacraments. One, yes, there is the, salva the, yeah. the salvation, but there's also the turning out and to the world. Uh, with that, to be to bring Christ literally, we become sacraments, a visible sign of Christ to the world, uh, to draw all men into this plan because this is what brings the plan to completion, and we participate in that because we're all journeying towards what? Towards a new creation, towards the new final end. In fact, just let me put what you just said in the words of Paul when he says in, in chapter four, verse eleven, in his gifts that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, right. for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. I mean that's that's what you've just said. Yes. We all individually have a part mm -hmm. in the body mm -hmm. and the ministry of the body is to take it to the world. That's right. And, and so often in RCI, particularly talking with those from different faith denominations coming in, um, you know, I'm very adamant to help them understand, say, look, there's a Catholic church proper, big C, there's a Catholic church universal, small C, where, and in that there is disunity and there's brokenness. And the call isn't to say, uh, we shouldn't be bickering, if you will, <laughs> over what is this scripture versus this scripture. I mean, we should be looking for reunification because as, John, as Jesus Christ himself tells us in John 17, we're all meant to be one. Yeah. And so this is a primary call. And then, of course, once that's achieved, it's, it's, it's the whole world going out beyond even the Christian community uh, to bring this message of unity. 
I know in my background as an evangelical, we tended to emphasize the individual mm-hmm. person in relationship to Jesus and God has a plan for that individual's life. Mm-hmm. And I think looking back, the reason is that our idea of the church was pretty nebulous. Mm-hmm. Calvin, Luther, and others emphasized the invisible, universal existence of this body of Christ that's just believers, We don't we, whether we know it or not. And so it's hard to put a finger on what that is. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes, maybe from your experience, sometimes we Catholics see the big picture, but maybe sometimes forget that God has a plan for every individual as a part of the body with gifts to use and a a part in the great evangelization. That's what John Paul and and Benedict are both calling us to. Absolutely. Um, And I think about some of the ministries we have, the ones that bear that type of fruit are the ones focused on family but not just families of the parish, drawing mm-hmm. families together. We actually have a, a group called Families Together where we come together once a month. And in there, I'm, I'm challenging folks to say, this is a beautiful ministry happening here. And, and now as a community, we want to reach out and draw in. We can draw in others to see and experience the Catholic faith in this aspect. And we have an obligation, actually, a responsibility to do that, not just for each other, but even out and beyond that. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to see it manifesting, though, because the life of the church becomes evangelistic. You know, the life mm-hmm. of the church becomes evangelistic when you come together in an authentic community. It's attractive to others that are yearning and see, ser- searching for something uh, at that communal level. But so moving beyond individualistic. But even with Catholics, sometimes I sense there's, there's a challenge of as an individual, what can I do? Yeah. Well, you can do plenty. Uh, <laughs> one is that by knowing your faith, you can have dialogues that, are, that, that really draw people in. That, yep. so. The last two verses you chose, 11 and 12, just seem to indicate that the boldness and the confidence yeah. that we need are built on the realization of what Christ Jesus has done for us in our life. Yes, absolutely. And in the Sacrament of Confirmation, all Catholics receive are given a special grace to proclaim the name Jesus Christ and His cross boldly and not be ashamed. That's right. And just sometimes we kind of forget that or we kind of become cold on that, but... The, if you feel God is far from you, it isn't He that's moved. That's right. It's us. All we gotta do is turn back. Amen and, to that. And recognize all that He's done for us. Amen. Barry, thank you for joining us on the program today. And ask God's blessing on your work as you continue there in, in Denver with the with, with all the work you're doing out in Colorado. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us on this program. I hope it's been encouragement to you. Hey, look back at those passages in Ephesians and prayerfully consider what God has called you to do in service to Him. See you next week. God bless.